Hello again, Pastor Deborah here. And this is another basic class or course in the King's International Spiritual Care University. We are still in the very basic courses you must go through and take in order to help people the Lord's way. Because it's easy to think that we know what we know and we find out that we didn't know what the truth was at all. This class is basic, ancient worship. Well, that sounds simple, but it's not. Remember, my history was a mental health counselor saved and in church of many different denominations since the age of four. So I know all about religion, worship services, standing up, singing songs, using hymns books, using no hymn books, clapping your hands, not clapping your hands, two fast songs, to slow songs, ancient songs, modern songs, some songs with no music at all, some with a great orchestra. I'd been through it all. And when I started making my change in my mind, thinking differently in my soul about worship, I had to be taken back, as I always am, back to the original relationship that spiritual man inside a dirt body had with its creator, its God, and its Father. So let's begin. <clears throat> Ancient worship. How I got started in studying this so I was in church probably about 1995, and we would start the church service off with two fast songs, all about praising and lifting up the name of Jesus and glorifying God. Now, they might last, I don't know, 10 minutes, maybe 15. Then we had two slow songs, very worshipful music and then that was it I didn't know if that was the truth or not so I started asking questions of my spiritual teacher the Holy Spirit so first where he always takes me is to the Webster's Dictionary I use my eighth grade son's class dictionary. So I looked up the word worship because I didn't know what it meant. I know what the pastors and the praise and worship leaders were telling us it was. Two slow, reverent songs standing up, eyes closed, not really clapping or moving, but being in a sacred, quiet mode. I 
thought that was it. But when I went to the dictionary, worship actually means to lay prostrate before something or someone who is considered a king, the authority, and it is a sign of respect. Or you can be on your knees, bowing low. So I discovered that worship wasn't even music. It was a physical position of the body. It was to be on its knees or on its face before the throne room of God. I learned that my spirit was doing this. I didn't know it was doing it. But then I realized what worship really was. It's when the spirit would come boldly into the throne room, bow down on its knees, bow its head, and say, Your Majesty. Or it would come in, and it would lay on its face, and it would cry out for mercy. So, I think I was doing it wrong. Somehow the church added music and slow songs to this physical throne room activity. Now, I didn't know exactly what to do at this time. So, I went and studied many things about kingdoms, throne rooms, coming before a king, getting on one's knees, having respect for the king who was sitting on the throne. I watched the Catholic priest and they would lay before statue of Jesus on their face with their hands out. And I was beginning to get a picture that worship was a response of the physical body, but first it must be a response of the spirit to being in the presence of God. Now back in the first book of the Bible, Genesis, we don't even see that. What we saw was this young man, maybe a child, not sure what his age was, and he had some type of relationship to his father. But he may not have known it was his father, but he knew it was his creator. And they would walk and they would talk in the garden in the cool of the day. Was that worship? Was that the type of relationship that I was heading to? I still didn't know. So then a story, I was taken by the Holy Spirit, my teacher, to a story in the Bible about Jesus walking through the country of Samaria. And he meets a lady at a well. He's very tired and thirsty. And he asks the lady for a drink of earthly water. And she says, sir, what have I got to do with you? You guys don't eat with us. You don't drink from us. We're Samaritans and you're a Jew. Why would you ask me for that? And Jesus' response was, ma'am, if you knew who I really was, you would be asking me for a drink of living water. 
So the lady says to him, Sir, I see that you're a prophet, and I have a question for you. Because prophets were considered people who heard from God, whoever he was. So this lady asked this man, who she did not know his name, she just knew he was a Jew by his clothes. She asked him, where was the right place to go and worship? She asked him, she said, sir, we Samaritans go up to this high mountain and we worship God up there. But you Jews are telling us that the only correct place to go and worship God is in the temple in Jerusalem. Sir, where is the right place that we Samaritans are to go and worship God? And Jesus said, ma'am, you don't know anything yet. Didn't quite say it that way. He said, the time is coming and it is now here that you will no longer go to that place on the mountain, that physical location, and worship God. And you will not go to that physical location called the temple to worship God. Those days are over. That's Pastor Deborah's <clears throat> Excuse me. I had some sinuses this week. But instead, the place where you're going to go and worship is in the spirit, he said. Because this God that you are trying to worship is a spirit. And he only receives worship and pleasure from you, your spirit being, in the spirit, worshiping him who is a spirit being in the spirit. And he said, and you don't even know who this God is. And he needs you to know who he is so you can worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, Jesus didn't mention anything about music. He didn't mention anything about two slow songs, standing up, sitting down. He mentioned nothing. So now I'm getting a little bit more information. I'm not quite there yet at this time. So I look up more places in the Bible. I, I try to get a bigger picture of how did Jesus worship this God. When he was a young man, as we know, he went into the temple, brought a lamb, and that was a form of worship. But when he got in his 30s and began his ministry and teaching on the kingdom of heaven has arrived, and I'm going to demonstrate it for you by healing the sick, the lame, the blind, casting out of devils here on earth. 
through the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. So this was a spiritual act being done against both spiritual and physical things. So Jesus is trying to help me through the Holy Spirit to understand what this worship was. So I tried to picture him getting up early in the mornings before maybe the sun come up, go off by himself and pray and worship the Lord. We don't know what he did, but he did tell us that this God to this lady, he was a spirit God. And he only receives pleasure and delight and only receives worship in the spirit by our spirits and then only when our spirits have the truth about him can we truly worship him. So I was getting a picture. It was not about two slow songs. It was not about singing. It was not about standing up. And then that was it. There was something else. So I kept studying. Read a lot of books. Read more things. Looked up the Greek and the Hebrew. So what I started doing is once I got the picture that it was my spirit, somehow, every time the song the two songs came up that were slow worship songs. I immediately stepped into the spirit realm. I would step out, kneel down, or lay down on my face physically in a church service with dress and heels on. I was going to force my physical body to do what I knew my spirit was doing and was supposed to do. I was going to have unity, spirit, soul, and physical body. We're going to bow before the king. We're going to lay prostrate with our hands out before the king. We're going to talk to him. We're going to ask him for mercy and compassion. We're going to give him reverence and respect. He's this big high thing. I'm this low thing. And how you come into his presence in a throne room is you walk in, you bow your knees, you take a knee. Sometimes you would then stand up. We see that in a lot in England. When the queen comes by, the men bow and the women curtsy. That is a form of worship. We see it in the Catholic Church when the monks and the fathers and the priests lay flat out on the ground with their face to the floor and their hands out. That is a f the worship position. Bowing yourself to a greater thing. So I started doing that. And what happened was every time those songs came out, I was immediately in the spirit, in the throne room, worshiping God. 
I could see the angels. I could see him on the throne. I could see the other angels bowed on their knees. It was very clear. I was in a room of great majesty. Now down here on earth in this church, I forced my physical body into the same position that my spirit was in the spirit realm. I was getting it. It was a, a position. Somehow I was able to be in the spirit, know I was in the spirit. I'm sure it was due to the gift of discerning of spirits that I was able to see all this. And I was able to do it easily. And I actually had people come up to me and say, you can step into the spirit very easily, can't you? I go, yes, I can. As soon as the music started, it's like I took a step away from the chair or the pew, got on my knees, did raise my hands, bowed my head sometimes, and I didn't even sing the songs. I'm in a position in a throne room, because sometimes there is music in a throne room. There's horns, there's harps. Other times there's just talking. But it's a very reverent, majestic place. And to help me understand that place my spirit was in, I watched a lot of Queen Elizabeth, the first movies. Watched a lot about kings and queens and getting pictures of them in the throne room. I needed to see that visually to help my spirit and my soul realize where true worship was. It wasn't the slow songs. A lot of that was just dealing with my soul to get my soul into an emotional feeling of something. I don't know if it was compassion or loving or what. I'm sure each song had a purpose, but I was no longer concentrated on the music. But at, at that time, whether anybody else in the church did or on the pew, I went on my knees. I laid on my face in the dress. Then one church I went to, uh, I usually always sit in the back. I don't like to make a spectacle of that. And some churches, you know, they don't believe in getting on your knees or on your face or even raising your hands or clapping or dancing. So I would sit in the back. And in this one church, there was a uh, service. It was a Sunday night. There was no seats back there. And the only seats available was up front on the front row. So I went up there with my son. And then I heard the Holy Spirit when the music time came for the praise for the worship time, I heard the Holy Spirit say, are you too prideful now that you're on the front row? That you can't lay on your face before me? And you can't bow your body to me on the front row with everybody looking at you? I said, oh no, sir. That doesn't matter. It was a test time for me. It's easy to do things in the back of the room where nobody can see you. But when you're brought up front, on the front pew, where everybody can see what you physically are doing, whether your hands are in your pockets, whether your eyes are closed, whether you're really singing, whether you're into it, or you're on your knees and your face. 
I was put in a test to see if my pride was in the way and would I continue to do what I had learned ancient worship was and would I continue to talk to him as a king and I would worship this king this king of creation this king of the universe this king of all judgment this king who said I'm yours you are like me I was a king myself I was coming before my father at that time I was still what you would call a prince I was and when I went to the throne room I'm in the home country He's the only king in the home country. You're a prince when you're in the home country. So in order to come before my father and the king, he's both of those things. But when you come into the throne room, he's the king. Now there were times I would need to come in there, lay on my face and just cry. There were bad things happening to me, my family. People were dying. I couldn't stop it. There was so much abuse. I was being threatened and intimidated, poisoned, uh, almost shot at, threatened with scissors to kill me in my own home. It was very hard on me. And sometimes I needed to just cry. Sometimes I just needed to run into his lap and sit on him as a little child. But once I got past that and I grew up into an adult and he released me to be a king in the colony spiritually on earth, I would report back to him. And I would come back and one of the great visuals to see this is in the Ten Commandments. When Moses brought Ethiopia back to his father in the throne room and presented all the jewels, and he presented them not as a conquered nation, but allies. And they came forth and they brought forth their jewels to the Pharaoh. And in the throne room is where Moses presented himself. There was proper order in the throne room. Everybody had their place. There were rules how you came into the throne room. Even in the, book, even in the movie, The Ten Commandments, when Moses got captured by Ramses, they brought him into the throne room in chains so the pharaoh could deal with him another great movie to watch is joseph when he is brought into the throne room of the pharaoh out of prison and the pharaoh is going to talk to him about these three dreams and you listen to the trumpets and you listen to the person walking in i think it was ben kinsley talking about the Pharaoh, and you see the people standing around on the side. I watched these movies. I watched about kings and kingdoms and throne rooms. I saw the proper protocol 
that you had to have in the throne room, the proper kind of talking. So when you come in, it is a place of worship. It's a place to recognize that he is up higher than you. He's on a chair, on a throne room, or standing up. Or it doesn't matter where he goes. Any home he visits is a castle, and he has his throne in it. So I was getting this picture, and then what, he, what the Holy Spirit did for me was he brought a young lady into my life. Her name was Candy. She sat on the number one position of the International Illuminati. Her generations and her bloodline was to, due to bring forth what we call the Antichrist one day. She was Jewish, and it was had just enough in it, and it went all the way back to Jesus and everything correctly. And when I started doing deliverance work on her over the phone, the spirit world inside of her would open up. And here's one of the first things we saw, or I saw. I saw a throne room. I saw a king and a queen sitting on it in beautiful regalia. Now, she is saved at this time, but the rightful king, King Jesus, the word, could not take his place in her spiritual heart and mind. The place was already occupied by these two spirit things. One was a male and one was a female. And the Holy Spirit, through the gifts and the words of knowledge, told me they were acting as Ahab and Jezebel. Now, I knew they were demonic spirits. I could see them. I was in the throne room. They were controlling her life. They were dictating to her. They were the boss. And I forced them, through the authority of Christ Jesus, to strip down naked and take their disguises off. I needed candy to see what these beings really were. They were not people. They were not humanoid. Because her spirit didn't know what they really were. So they got all their clothes off. It wasn't easy. And they turned out to both be big Tyrannosaurus Rexes type of creatures that had been in disguise as Ahab and Jezebel. So what happened was I was able to get one out of the land and the territory and out of the kingdom called Candy. But one of them wasn't going to leave. And I had to ask for the archangel Michael. He's the warring one of the three archangels to come down through prayer. And they had to lasso this guy and drag him out because he was not going to leave. And take him out of Candy's land and spirit. But they had set up a throne room with everything, and it was a way of sort of Satan saying, I'm going to be the king in Candy's life. I got my throne in there. Since we read in the Bible where Jesus told this lady 
This is all about spirit stuff. Your spirit must worship a God in the spirit. And this God is a king. So Satan set up in Candy, in this one particular part of her, King Ahab and Jezebel. So her spirit would worship them. And she did all her life until she accepted Christ Jesus. She got his Holy Spirit in there. But there was no place for him to take his rightful place because these guys were in Candy's life as king, sitting on a throne in her life. So we had to deal with that spiritually in prayer and what you'd call the deliverance ministry. These kind of people who were brought up to breed and bring forth the physical bodies and the spiritual line. This was such deep, deep spiritual work. I had to stay in the Old Testament. I had to have the Holy Spirit talking to me. I had to see what the purposes of God in us was to be. And because these two were there, God could not be the king. The word of God could not rule and reign candy. These things were. Well, we got them out. Candy could not really help me. She was frightened. Her spirit was frightened. Her soul was frightened. She was whimpering, and she usually passed out out of fear. She'd go into a trance, and it's me and the demonics, and me and these things and the angels on the phone, sometimes for hours. You'll read a lot of her stories on the website. I'm slowly getting them all up. There's some wonderful stories. She was used greatly in my life to reveal deep, deep spiritual stuff that the Bible talks about if you look at it. So now I'm off into ancient worship. And boy, we had some ancient ones in there. And if you even look at the Lord of the Rings, and you look at what Sauron, he wants to be worshipped. He wants to rule as a king. So the only things that is legal and righteous worship is to a king. Now you can do worship to anybody. You can worship anything. You can bow down to the bingo game. You can bow down to your sexual organs. You can bow down to drugs. You can bow down to politics and fame and legacy. You can worship anything. And you bow yourself. Whatever they ask you to do, you do. So worship is a matter of lowering yourself, respecting something, loving something, giving it great pleasure, giving it honor and respect in your life. Now, Adam, when he was in a young man, he hadn't yet discovered his identity as a king or that he was even probably the son of God. He's a young one. Maybe spiritually he was like an infant, a young teenager. He hadn't developed there yet, but he had all the potential. The decrees had been made. The blessings had been given by the Father. He just had to grow and develop into it. But he took a mighty fall before he got there. 
which I don't think he even knew that he was a king. He did lose the Holy Spirit, so he got in a big mess. But as we see, humanity, some reason, believes in kings. They believe in worship, even back in Pharaoh's days, back in Joseph's days. Every civilization, every nation had a king and a kingdom. And the subjects would worship him in the throne room. They also worshipped him by obeying his laws. And when he would travel through the city, either on horseback or in a chariot or a cart, they would bow. The ladies, excuse me, got the hiccups. The ladies would curtsy. Some of the people would come into the throne room and they would bow on their knees. We see that knee bowing when we see a man bow down on one knee and ask a lady to be married. It's a sign of respect and honor, a humbling of the person. So it's not two slow songs. It's not uh, an emotional workup. It's not there with your head bowed. Some people think it is eyes closed, head bowed, I'm worshiping. It's not, that's not in the book. That's not in the Bible and it's not in the dictionary. So I had to learn this about ancient worship. I had to be able to step into the spirit and be in the throne room. Or if God decided to show up, I had to be able to worship. If God, when God is in me, he builds a throne room inside of my spirit. My spirit is to bow before him, respect his decrees and laws. So there was a lot about kings and kingdoms. And I had to learn this because I was stuck like everybody else with the two slow songs. That was worship time. The rest of the time, what was it? Teaching or preaching, altar calls, and then that was it. And you went to work, had your families, you never thought about it again. Until the next time you were in church and there were the two slow songs. And you never worshiped, you didn't know what to do. You didn't talk to them, you know, that kind of thing. And even now, a lot of people have to have worship music in the background. And they were dependent on that worship music to set the stage. But what the worship music doing is only setting the stage for the soul and its emotions. And the soul, it don't really, it will go through the motions. It will do whatever it's told to do, and believe it has worshipped in spirit. But you have to be able, I used to always have to say to myself, that Bible must work to a man or a woman in solitary confinement, or in other countries where there is no music. There's no guitars, no pianos, nothing. They must be able to worship without music, Adam did not have music. They must be able to step into the spirit without their 
emotions getting stirred up through songs. Most of the world doesn't have music. They go and pray. A lot of them don't have musical instruments. But how do you worship if you don't have songs or instrumentals? So I started saying this has to work. It has to be the same for that person in solitary confinement. No church service, no praise and worship, nobody leading him, no music. How does he worship God? Those were my questions. I needed answers. I went looking, studying books written by worship leaders. I studied Hebrew and Jewish songs, worship, the different instruments. I needed to see when music came in. Did Adam have them? Did Noah have them? How did they worship? Now remember the Old Testament, once the Holy Spirit left Adam, all you got that is worshiping the Lord is the soul and the physical body. That's it. The spirit is disconnected and dead to this God. Now the spirit is not dead and God is not dead, but they're not connected. They can't talk anymore like they used to or the way that the God wanted them to talk. So all they had was their soul and their physical body until they could get the Holy Spirit back in there and they could get that spirit brought back to life, cleaned up, so it would be clean and pure to step into the presence of God again. And that's what Jesus was telling this lady at the well. And another story that helped me to understand about spiritual worship and the true way was in, the, <clears throat> in Matthew, I believe, where Jesus says, at the end of time, we're going to call everybody before me, before the king. And some are going to be on my right hand and some on my left. And those that are on my right hand, I'm going to call you sheep. The others are going to be the goats. Those are on my right hand. Uh, you saw me in other people, and I, I was sick, and you fed me. I was in prison. You visited me. I didn't have any clothes, and you gave me clothes. And the other guys didn't do it. And I said, okay, God, I'm doing that. I'm working out of the church, the food pantry, giving clothes. I'm doing exactly what that scripture says, going to jails and ministering to people. What's up? but I don't see the change that I should see. He said, that's because you're not reading the scriptures right. You're not looking at that scripture from the eyes and the heart of God. God said, those people were spiritually naked. They only had demonic spirits and animal skins to wear. They did not have on the white robe of righteousness. So they were naked to me, God the Most High. They were spiritually sick with spiritual diseases because they're disconnected from the spirit of life. 
they were spiritual orphans because they were not back in the family of God yet. They were still lost to him. They were spiritually in prison, a spiritual prison of the soul. They were still in the miry clay, locked behind the flesh. They had not had a circumcision, according to Hebrews 4.12. They were not set spiritually free to be with me. Isaiah 61 and 62 had not been fulfilled in their lives. They were hungry for my spiritual milk, my agape love, and nobody was telling them. They were spiritually hungry for the bread and the meat of the word, and nobody was giving it to them. And they were spiritually lame and blind to me, to the word. And they couldn't hear me, and they couldn't see me, and they couldn't get to know me. And therefore, they were all distant from me. Once I got that, this whole worship thing, I was able to understand this spiritual activity that this God of the Spirit, the God of the Bible, wanted with all of humanity. He wanted their spirits free to spiritually worship him in spirit and in truth. That lady at the well, he said, you don't know who this God really is yet. She wasn't a Jew. She wasn't saved. She wasn't born again. Her spirit had not been reconnected back to the Father, back in the family, back and born again. So the spirit that was there is in darkness. It is still living in the flesh. It is ignorant of this true God, he was telling her. And you need to have the spirit to know who this true God is. And the only way was a reconnection through the Holy Spirit. So he was telling her, you can't even worship. It's not a place you go to. It's not any temple you go to. It's nothing physical anymore, this worship. It's a spiritual activity between your spirit and this spirit of God. But you can only do that with the reconnection through the Holy Spirit to spiritually know this God, to know how he wants you to worship, what the spirit needs to do and you can't do that yet sweetie so she was amazed at this these were words of wisdom words of knowledge and truth and she ran off in the movie that jesus of nazareth or the gospel i think it's the gospel of john watch that on youtube it's about three hours Gospel of John. I watched it every single week for about five years, every Sunday, three hours. I'd exercise wherever I went, painted, traveled. I watched it faithfully for five years, three hours, the Gospel of John, word for word. There's some great movies 
she ran off and left old Jesus sitting at the well. Now remember, he had been thirsty, but once you, you'll realize once you start moving in the gifts and you start talking about God, you're hungry. You, you are moving in spiritual activity. The physical hunger goes away. And she runs off and tells all these people that she met the Messiah. They knew this somebody, the Messiah, which means anointed king, was coming. And they start coming. And they're happy to meet him. They had heard that he's coming, he's coming, somebody's coming, somebody's coming. They knew the stories of a Messiah coming. And he stayed there two or three days and they all got saved. Then he leaves. His job was done. Now the, the Holy Spirit will help the Spirit and teach it. There was no music. No worship songs. No acoustic guitars. No pianos. No lights. No flashing things. Nothing. So that's what I learned about ancient worship. Everybody has got to study it. They have to compare what Jesus is saying and the Word says to what they've been taught in the denomination, how they are worshiping it, why are they using songs, just two of them, okay? Why they do not bow, why do they stand up, what are they doing? And until you can get there, as he did with the woman at the well, and you understand it is a spiritual activity that needs no music, and it is your spirit in connection and bowing and reverencing and honoring this God, and then you, if you can, you force your physical body into that position, on your knees, on your face. And you do it without music. So that is what I had to learn about ancient worship. And once I got it, it's easy for me now. I can step right into it. I understand what God's wanting. My relationship with him spiritually gets stronger and stronger and stronger. I'm more aware of the spiritual realm. I'm more aware of him. I know what he wants. I'd go back and watch that Gospel of John, read that section, read the Matthew. I got it. Now, even though I kept going to churches, when the two slow songs came on, maybe three, I'd get on my knees out in the aisle with a dress on. Or I'd lay on my face with my arms out. I didn't care what anybody thought. I put my pride down and I forced my physical body to do what my spirit was doing. I was going to bow low, honor and respect spiritually. I was in the throne room of God, even, if, even though I was in a physical location on earth. Spiritually, I was in the throne room of God in front of the king of the universe. I hope this helps you. You'll have to study worship. You'll have to come to conclusions about what it is. 
Because if you're a teacher or a pastor and you are teaching error or misrepresenting worship, then you are hurting the precious sheep and you're not pleasing the Father. Go back to the woman at the well. Study those words. Listen to Christ Jesus carefully about where you worship, how you worship, and how the God of Jesus Christ, his Father, desires for us to worship him and the knowledge that we must have. Enjoy, keep growing, and this is, I'll come up with another. I have a lot of basic classes. I've written them down, can't remember them right now, that I had to go through in order to help people the Lord's way and to move into my image and likeness of a king myself as a Christ, an anointed king with the Holy Spirit in me and to be able to minister in the spirit realm to the spirits all over the world. Pastor Deborah here, come again, listen and learn. Love you always, and I look forward for you to be a student and learn. And if you have any questions, you are free to email me at the email address of the website, Pastor Deborah at agapeloveishere.org. Look forward to any comments about it, to answer any questions. Remember, we're going back and we are renewing our original mind back to the kingdom concept, back to what we were originally supposed to know and do before we fell into the dirt and the clay and the flesh. Now we have to study and renew. So be happy and rejoice. You're on your way. Love always. Bye-bye.